edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is January the 30th, 2019, and this is episode 2370 of the Survival Podcast. I'm bringing a guy on that was a big hit a couple other times he was on, but he hasn't been on since I think somewhere around episode 1800-ish, 1820, somewhere in that range. Uh, and I think we'll have his wife with us today, too, possibly. She's usually there at his side when we have uh, Dr. Stephen Lewis on the air. Um, Dr. Lewis is a really great guy. He's worked with a lot of you guys. A lot of you guys have had really great results with him. He's a, a doctor, but he's a doctor of chiropractic, uh, and he focuses on nutrition and supplementation. And really, really switched on guy. I've gotten tons of uh, emails from people that have worked with him that are just really pleased with the results. They take an approach of uh, using lab work to determine nutritional deficiencies and shore those up. And you don't have to live where he is to do that because he sends you to like third-party, very inexpensive labs and then has the results come to you and to him so that you can go over them together. He's going to talk to us today about obesity, which is an epidemic in America today, and the role that agriculture plays in it and the role that inflammation plays in it. And as you guys know, I've talked about... This a lot, but I think the modern diet, and, and, and it, it has to do with, yes, government recommendations and the dependence on grain, but also a, a lot of modern techniques, modern chemicals, et cetera, that didn't exist, uh, that wasn't in our granddaddy's bread, I'll put it to you that way. Um, and there's a role here that's beyond just the role that elevated blood sugar plays in obesity, because that is a big thing, but there's also an inflammation crisis in America. And it's, it's caused a lot of problems, and I think we've started to, I think even the establishment has started to accept this, that inflammation, maybe not the source of it, but that it is a chronic issue with a ton of autoimmune diseases, but inflammation also plays a role in obesity, and we're going to talk about all of this stuff today, but primarily focused on, you know, understanding what modern agriculture has done to the health of Americans and the modern world as a whole, We'll be talking about all that and more with Dr. Lewis in just a moment. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is BulkAmmo.com. Bulk Ammo is where I go to get my ammo. It's where I think you should go to, and I'll tell you why. If you want any of what you would call the common calibers, they have it. They have it in bulk. Their prices are either really low or at least uber competitive, and they have great service and really, really fast shipping. These guys are loyal sponsors, folks. I think they signed up with us about six years ago. They never blink. Uh, they're one of my sponsors. They actually pay annually. I make my sponsors pay by a monthly PayPal subscription so I don't have to, to invoice them. And they're like, we'll just pay you annually with a check. I'm like, all right. So, I mean, when I, when I send them an email, I say, hey, it's that time of year again. They just say, cut a check and get it out to them. I mean, they are just great supporters of the show. But what I love about them is, like a lot of you guys, I'm busy. I really am. And so I think, you know, I really need to kind of bone up on some of this or that or get some more, you know, ought six or something. And by the time I could have gotten to the store, I could have went there, put my order in and forgot about it. And the, the stuff shows up so quick, I forget I ordered it that fast and it's here. So check them out. Loyal sponsor, good pricing. And your gun, absent ammo, is what? An overpriced club. Next up today, JM Bullion. I've been recommending the exact same formula for wealth insurance 
since day one of this podcast, over 10 years ago. 5% to 10% of your net wealth in silver and or gold, dollar cost averaged over time in small increments, stored physically somewhere you can put your hands on it, not inside IRAs and things like that where the government knows about it, where it's generational wealth that when you're ready to hand it down to your heirs, maybe before you even pass away, and you decide, like, this is going here, this is going there, you put it in a box and say, here. That's, that is generational wealth. That is anonymous wealth. And silver and gold, folks, has about as long as there has been civilization, silver and gold have been used as money. It ain't ever going to be worth zero. It's always going to hold value, and it's always going to be something you're going to want in your life. And when you hand that down to future generations, let me just put it this way. They're a lot less likely to squander that wealth than they are a number in a bank account because it's something tangible that they can touch and they can hold. I've seen people inherit $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 and go through it a year and have nothing. Absolutely nothing. I know one person basically is living off the government. Doesn't really have any major bills. Inherited $20,000 and a year later, still living off government, still doesn't have any real bills, doesn't have any money in the bank. Just doesn't have any. Just gone. I can't show you what the money went to. And it's, it's what happens a lot of times. Even people that mean well, they do it because it just becomes money to them. I promise you, if you leave your heirs some of their inheritance in silver and gold, it's probably going to be around to be handed down to the next generation and the next generation. Unless something critical happens where they rely on it, and that is the reason that it's there. Now, if you're going to do that, here's what you should do. You shouldn't overpay. You should get great service. You should get free shipping. And if you're buying over 300 bucks at a time, you should get a discount. Only one way I know to get all of that in the silver and gold business, and that is to buy from JM Bullion and be a member of my MSB. You do that, and I can't see why you buy your silver and gold anywhere else. On that note, do consider becoming a member of the Survival Podcast Members Brigade today. If you're not, basically you're throwing money away. I promise you that if you sit down and look through our vendors, you're going to say, well, gee, self, over the next year, I'm going to buy something like this, something like that, something like this. And you put that in it, like I say, Excel never lies. You put that stuff in an Excel spreadsheet, and you're going to go, well, I'm going to get $50 or more in discounts next year if I'm a member. So, self, you should be a member because you're putting money back in your pocket and you're supporting the show that you listen to. So consider becoming a member today, and if you qualify for the service discount, email me before you join. Put TSPC service discount in the subject line. To qualify for that, you have to be active duty or prior service, military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, or first responder. Any of those, but email before, not after you join. If you're already a member and you didn't get that discount, I've been doing it for like eight years for the discount, but email me when it comes up toward renewal time and we'll get you squared away. I can't do it once you've already signed up. I can only do it when you're ready to renew. With that, let's go ahead and bring on, uh, I guess it's about his third or fourth appearance on the show. Really great guy. Just ain't had him around for a while. Glad he's still doing what he's doing and helping people. Dr. Stephen Lewis. Hey, Steve, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, it's always fun to be here. Hey, I've told the audience a little bit about you. You've been on, I think, three times before at least, but we haven't had you on for, geez, over a year. It's been like almost a <laughs> almost a thousand episodes, I think. It's around like 2370 today, and I think you guys are on around, well, 1800, so 500-odd episodes. Tell people just a little bit about yourself and, and, and your approach to, to nutrition and health. Well, uh, Janet and I, we have a system, and there, there's more and more people doing functional nutrition or functional medicine uh, because there's a missing piece. Uh, 
you know, in our healthcare in America. But uh, we've kind of got it down to a system that's quick, it's easy, it's inexpensive. Um, you know, there's a lot of functional medicine people out there. You may spend three, four, five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars. We don't charge those prices. So, uh, you know, behind every successful man is a tired woman, and Janet's <laughs> kind of the brains behind this. But, well, I that, just thought of when you said that. I thought behind every successful man, there's a sick and tired woman. <laughs> well, that that's behind the fall of a successful man. The fall yeah. is usually another woman. But <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun episode. I can tell. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think you have a really unique approach. We have you on today to talk about something that that I have been kind of championing people to learn about for a long time, and that is the role that modern agriculture plays in obesity and illness in our country. Uh, but what I want to talk about, and looking at your notes, I was really happy to see this kind of as your leadoff here, is the role inflammation plays in obesity. Because I think what I said during the intro is I think even the mainstream has started to acknowledge the role that inflammation is playing in Dozens of conditions that are chronic in America today because there's so much that, that goes back to some level of autoimmune, and that almost always involves inflammation. But I also think, like I think you do, that inflammation has a role in obesity. Can you talk about how that could be? Because I think most people are like, I, I guess you could be inflamed and look fat, but like, <laughs> we're not talking about that. We're talking about systemic inflammation and how that can actually lead to people becoming more obese. Yeah, it it really does, and and there's so many, you know, this points to that, that points to this, and then it comes back. It gets kind of complicated, and I always tell people, it's not quick, easy. Uh, you're not going to be young, rich, and good-looking in three weeks or three months. You kind of have to get on the train and stick with it and kind of get some of the factors uh, out of the equation that's making it what. Uh, you know, for example, the I guess the best-known inflammatory chemical is called a cytokine, and it's not that you don't want any of them, but if you have it's bombarded and too much of it, because uh, it, cytokines, it's really a messenger of the immune system. The white blood cells and some other cells uh, produce the cytokines when there's an antigen. Uh, the antigens come from the genetically modified foods, and I know some people think they're not a problem, and, and you know we all have opinions, but I think they're more and more of a problem. And then I'm a big one that said, is it really gluten or is it glyphosate? So we may get into that. I think, yes, gluten is an issue. And, you know, I've talked about that. But I, I think glyphosate's a big, big, big thing. For example, I read an article yesterday. Women that are exposed to higher levels of glyphosate have seven times the risk of breast cancer. Mm. Of course, you know, Janet and I, we're, we're always saying, well, yes, but... If you have the nutrition that's not in your food, your body is smart enough to take that nutrition and grab on to these bad, uh, the, the glyphosate, uh, uh, the heavy metals, and carry it out. So if a sick body produces you know, an illness, a healthy body can, can actually cure it over time. And this is not chiropractic woo-woo, as some people say. <laughs> this is documented, documented, documented. I use medical research, you know, to, to prove what I do. So, and so inflammation, it, it's kind of a natural reaction to injury or infection. 
but you don't want an onslaught of this. No, I, I completely agree with that. Now, I just want to do it. We're going to move forward on this, but I want to give you kind of just some some thoughts on, on chiropractic as a whole where people come up mm -hmm. with this. So I really don't like doctors, uh, conventional doctors, any more than I need to. Like, So if I get in a wreck and there's a yield side of my spleen, I want to go to a surgeon, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But, but I, I don't spend a lot of time around doctors, so I never heard much negative about chiropractic other than here and there. My, my wife, as you know, is a nurse, and, and I said, well, I don't really think there's a big war on chiropractic. She goes, you, you should have you went to nursing school with me. We were told they were dangerous, they were going to hurt you, whatever, you know, and they, they, they're quacks and whatever. I'm like, really? Goes, yeah, we were. that was drummed into us. Yeah. And, 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 you know, she's got a lot of relief in her life from, from, from chiropractic therapy. And I was with her with a doctor one time, an MD-type doctor, Right. Uh, when she was just really kind of getting into a position where a lot of chronic pain was now gone from, from chiropractic therapy. And this right. doctor says to me, to my face, well, they make you feel good, but if you stop doing it, it hurts again. And I said, how is that different than drugs that you prescribe for pain other than it's not addictive? How is that different than sex? <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, you know, this whole concept of it stops working when you stop doing it, that doesn't prove it doesn't work. That proves that it does work. People say that about paleo or you know, primal eating. We'll talk about that in a bit, too. You know, well, when I stop doing it, I put weight back on. Oh, so when you went back to eating pasta and, 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 uh, and, and uh, what are those things, cannolis, you know, that are from the devil, they're so good, <laughs> that you got fat again? That doesn't prove it didn't work. That proved that, you know, it absolutely does work. So... I think there is, you know, some of that there. But I just wanted to kind of point that out for people that maybe are like, you know, maybe skeptical about chiropractic. That It's one of those things that I don't, I guess until you experience it, you, you can't really understand it. But, um, we, you know, we're fortunate we have a good chiropractor here that Dorothy sees when she has back pain and stuff. And it, it's, it's, it's a blessing in her life. But on going back to kind of the main topic here today, You were talking about glyphosate. You're talking about gluten. Now, one of my big problems, because I hear from people that are in modern ag all the time, and you know, you don't understand the levels are very low, whatever. And, and we can talk about that with glyphosate in a second. Where, yeah, it might be low in this piece of food, but when it's in every single thing people eat today, yes. it's cumulative. But my bigger issue with all of the GMO, all of the spraying, all of the chemical fertilizers is it's basically given agriculture a license to ignore the soil and so we can just have inert dirt and if we dump enough crap on it stuff will grow well and we can spray it so the pest doesn't get there we can spray it so the the weeds don't come up and then we can even spray it to kill it so it's easier to harvest in some situations and and even if we put all the spray aside now we have dead dirt instead of living soil can you talk about how a micro, you know, a microbiome imbalance in the soil, and then how that can actually contribute to the problem of obesity. Well, ab absolutely, and you know, I, I'm gonna go down too many rabbit trails. I'm sorry, but you know, you you hear these people say, "Well, cancer can't live in an uh, an alkaline body." You know what BS stands for? Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, here's, here, I'll, I'll, before you sandwich. even go forward on that, I'm going to say, I'll tell you what I tell people all the time when I hear this alkaline acid stuff. Yeah. Uh, I say if your blood pH changes by 0.1, you're dead. 
Yeah. So, so just, <laughs> you want to talk about hocus pocus. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing, and people don't realize this, and, I, of course, I see them. It's like, yeah, you're killing yourself with bacon soda, dumb butt. Uh, they come in here. Not that there's much nutrients in our food anyway. I hope we get into that. But it takes, you know, for example, the range of acceptance just for your body to accept iodine. And we have just a horrible, horrible, massive amount of people that have uh, thyroid problems. You've got to be about a 6.2 to 6.6, something like that. Then selenium opens up to a six point, a little below 6.2 to 6.7. And the ranges of pH opens up, you know, the biggest range is, you know, for oxygen and hydrogen, then magnesium. But you've got to have a really, really range. And guess what? The six point something, that's acidic. I could show you research that says cancer loves an alkaline body. So here's the thing. There's research that says everything. You know, you can get on the you can get on the Internet and find all kinds of crappy research just to support what you believe. And that's what people do is like, I'm just looking for something to prove what I already believe instead of thinking of it critically and logically. Oh, and changing your mind. So, uh, you know, you have to be careful what you read because the Internet is full of BS, and, you know, belief systems. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. No, I mean, you're talking about confirmation bias, and I think that, you know, we're all guilty of it. One of the tenets we try to teach here is to always fight it, to, to always try to find counter arguments and then carefully consider them. And right. when you do that and you're like, okay, I don't, I, I still don't agree with that, then you have a, a, a foundational knowledge and a foundational belief that you really do believe because you know why you believe it. But what most people do is exactly what you said. Since I've already decided that this is good, then I'm going to go out and find it, you know, places that say this is good. You know, I'm going to go out and find the forum where everybody agrees that I can eat all the pasta I want and not get fat, <laughs> right? And then, and then I'll just say it's not my fault. It, I must be big boned or something. That's a big thing. Oh, it's my genetics. What they're really saying is all my fault. And it's like, you know, there's plenty of research that says you can affect your genetics up to 90 or 95% the genetic expression with getting the toxins out of your environment and increasing the nutrient level. What do you say, though, about, like, the government's, recommended weight because this is something we just talked about recently uh, when another guest was on we didn't really talk about it with the guest but it came up in our in our blog discussion and and so the government would tell me that i should weigh 168 pounds as my optimum weight i'll tell you what i would look like at 168 pounds i'd look like i was an aids victim or i would look <laughs> like i was on chemotherapy that's funny that's the picture i had in my mind my, uh, my shoulders are about with you know your shoulders are talking about bone structure are about eight inches wider than the average uh, man in America today at my height. Right. I'm, I'm a, so I am big boned, but fat is fat and bones are bones. I had a friend that used to say, uh, if somebody said that, he'd say, you got some big ass meat on them bones. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I do think that if people are getting their numbers from the government, I, I, I don't really tend to, to like that approach at all. No, I think it's uh, it, there is a lot of difference in, in bone structure. You know, I got I worked for the railroad one time for a few months. You know, when I was working my way through college, and they said, "We can't hire you. Your wrists are too small. And if you have a big wrist, the man's not going to get uh, work comp injury. And yours are too small." And of course, I talked him into the job anyway. And I looked at all the 
permanent people, they had big wrists, you know, big bone structure. So, no, you can't go by the what the government says. That's a very, very general, and there's always an exception to it. So, I think that's uh, really the case in nutrition, too. We'll, we'll get to that, so let's not tee off on that just yet. But RDA, <laughs> I know you and RDA don't get along. <laughs> oh, not even, not even close, because even if you put it in, you've got the issue of, there are so many bad, stupid vitamins and minerals out there in the wrong form. And I, I, I told a guy the other day, I said, yeah, well, my daddy used to collect nuts and bolts. And, you know, you could spend more time, energy, and effort finding the right nut and bolt. And it may be too long. It may have the wrong thread pattern. And the vitamins, most of these synthetic vitamins do not fit. And you've expended all your time and energy getting rid of the vitamin just like all the time and energy we used to go through my daddy's buckets of bolts trying to find the right one is bad when it's it's quicker to buy it than it is to find it. So you're getting on nutrients there. So another problem I've always had with modern ag and depleting that soil is our nutrient load in our food goes down. And oh, that's not just a problem. People compartmentalize in their minds. So, okay, I'm a nutrient deficient. I'll take a multivitamin or whatever. You can turn that apart in a second. But oh, yeah. they, they, they think about it is, okay, that causes a nutrient deficiency, and so that means that I'll probably be skinny or, you know, I'll be looking like I'm dying uh, because I have that nutrient deficiency. They really don't link, well, if I have a nutrient deficiency, I can become a chronic overeater. But, yeah, but looking, that's not the case, right? Yeah, looking for more uh, nutrients so we do overeat. and. You know, again, you can read all sorts of things, but the nutrient depletion in the soils, for for the most part, about 85% of our minerals are gone. But they they said that in the Senate document in 1936. And I keep telling people, you've got to eat better. You can't just take my supplements and eat crap. That's not going to work. But you can't, you know, you can't just depend on your diet. It's not going to work because... It's grown on minerally depleted soil. Even the organic farmers, and I've had a lot of them that I got through you, and they're the most consistent group I've ever seen. But I tell them, I said, I've read the research. It may have one part per million or 16,000 parts per million of the different minerals, even organic. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, there's also, like, so if you can't had a customer come to you, a patient, and say, well, I'm sick, and you looked at him and said, yeah, you are, and you got his lab <laughs> results, and you said, well, yeah, we can fix this, and we can put nutrient back into your body. We can help you lose weight. We can get you on a good sleep pattern. We can get you on good you know, bathroom patterns and all the things that are all wrecked in your life and put you back in shape. Right. And he said, okay, well, I want to be back in a tip-top shape in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You tell him, bye. Like, I can't, I can't do that for you because you took your whole life to get here. But it's actually a lot easier to fix that human being than it is to fix soil. So what we have are these organic farmers, permaculture farmers, bio, you know, bioengineering, whatever. And they're doing great things. Yes. And a lot of them are bringing in ruminants and remineralizing the soil that way and all. Okay, and they are making the soil better. And the soil is growing better quality every day. But we screwed it up for 200 years, right? And just like a human body is going to take time to recuperate, that soil going back to growing the most you know nutrient dense food that our, our great great grandparents might have eaten that's right. going to take time even when you're doing everything right. You know that that's real true and you know we sold our 24 acres and and moved to 
a smaller place, but I told Janet, I said, I want this certain kind of rock dust. And she ordered one bag and they sent us four. That's how the universe kind of rewards us. We're always, and it's like, oh my God, our, our whole yard, our palm trees and everything just greened up. But the soil does take time and I love it because I've got a friend that's a, a dairy farmer so I could get all the good dairy poop I needed. But the soil is so much more intelligent than we are. And you, I know you're a big uh, promoter of the mycorrhiza. This is how smart they are. I mean, we're talking about microorganisms. If you have, say, a soil that's minerally imbalanced and, and you don't have much copper in the soil, for example, but you have plenty of zinc and calcium, the mycorrhiza actually senses this and picks up more copper percentage-wise than what's in the soil because it is smart enough, it has an innate or universal intelligence to do that. So that's why the microbiome of the soil is, holy cow, incredibly important, and you, you've got to put it back in. I did it by you know putting in cow manure and putting in rock dust, and, man, I had a good time on that 24 acres, but I just got to the point. It's like, yeah, I'd rather go and play, but... Well, you bring up a great point there. A lot of the soil that we think is being neutrally, nutri nutrient deficient, it really isn't. There's tons of all the macro and micronutrients in there. The yeah. plants can't get it. And what you're talking about there is the exudate exchange process. So it, it's not so much that that microbe will get more of manganese or whatever it is because it right. knows it needs it. What it wants is it wants that plant. To give it an exudate, which is basically a, a food for the plant, for the microorganism. And the plant yeah. won't do it unless the microbe gives it what it wants. So there's this kind of exchange of intelligence exchange that's clearly not the type of intelligence that human beings or even higher animals have, but there's some sort of intrinsic intelligence there that this microbe is, and the plant will actually exude an exudate. Just a little bit like bait. Let's just come over here. There's some good stuff here. Well, but then it'll the... hold back and it'll wait for that microbe to give it what it needs and to put it in a bioavailable form. And it, all of this, it's great. It's wonderful, but it does take time. Well, I, you know, I would I would beg to differ on you about which one's more intelligent. Mm. But you know, that's a subject for a whole other I mean, subjective podcast. as to how we measure it. But it's, <laughs> it's definitely different. It's, oh yeah, it's definitely different. Um, so. Moving back to our main subject here, what are some of the possible diseases linked to poor nutrition and inflammation that people are dealing with right now? Uh, chronic inflammation, you know, all cancer stages, and I, I don't treat cancer, but once I give people the right nutrients in the right time, you got to be careful when they're on chemo. I've seen cancer patients that were supposed to be dead in two or three months still coming in and buying stuff two or three years later. And it's, it's not on treat cancer, but if you give the body what it needs and drop that inflammation, you're right, it takes time. One of the one of the stupidest things I ever heard was, I tried this for a month, and I'm not impressed. And I said, well, I changed the oil in my truck, and it don't get better gas mileage or drive any better. I think I'll quit changing the oil in my truck. That's how short-sighted some people can be. But uh, the inflammation can go to cardiovascular disease, you know, the hardening of the arteries, the plaquing, heart failure, stroke, uh Autoimmune, and I'm excited now that we're a different company, you know, Green, <clears throat> Green Wisdom Health. Janet and I have taken this to a new level. We've got new, different products, 
and that can help with these autoimmune diseases. And we're seeing more and more and more autoimmune diseases, whether that's uh, from the glyphosate or whether it's from just the lack of mineral or the gluten or whatever. Uh, but the autoimmune stuff, we see a lot of Crohn's and, you know, IBD, colitis, a lot of lupus, a lot of Hashimoto's, you know, thyroid uh, autoimmune thing. Um, of course, everybody, not everybody, probably two-thirds of the world has a metabolic disorder, pre-diabetes. Uh, even, even the osteo arthritis, you know, as a chiropractor, you know, I can do the adjustments and all that, but we've kind of gone to just doing the nutrition full time. But you name it, there's two things that's always in the equation. It's inflammation and your GI tract. And we've got some incredible, incredible new supplements for that, that we're, it, it, we sell it for just a fragment of what the medical profession sells the exact same thing. And it's getting real popular. Hmm. So what are some of the theories on the causes of cardiac disease? That's another thing that's just rampant in America. I mean, if some of the things that they call an epidemic don't hold a candle to – in fact, before we even get to cardiac, let's talk about type 2 diabetes for a second because this is one of those things. I remember we talked about this when you were on before, and I think new listeners need to really kind of switch on this. You talk about pre-type 2 diabetes. And I think the problem is in people's minds that diabetes is like a switch. You're not <laughs> diabetic, click, you are diabetic. It's like a switch, but I would analogize it to like a, a dimmer switch. And so yes. I turn that dimmer switch up a little bit, and it, 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 it the, the room isn't fully lit, but that light is on, and light is filling the room. And this mm -hmm. pre-diabetic situation, it's just a matter of that dimmer switch has only been turned up to a certain point where medicine says, well, when it gets this bright, now it's type 2 diabetes, but yeah. we still have the effects of type 2 diabetes happening to that person, just it's not as bright, I guess. Does that make sense? Well, you know, that's a really good analogy, but it wasn't that many years ago. Uh, type 2 diabetic was, was a 6.0 on your A1C. A1C is a 90 to 120-day measure of your glucose on your hemoglobin. So a 6.0 was the diabetic, and then they, whoever they are, you can make that up for yourself, they decided they'd change the diabetic to a 7.0. Now, 6 to a 7 is a huge, huge, huge range. And then all of a sudden, the other they says, well, let's make diabetes a 6.5. Okay. So these ranges are, are BS again. It's like... God, you can see it coming years before you get there. Just like the dimmer switch is a good analogy. I think I'm going to use that. But, you know, the uh, the pharmaceutical company can't make money by curing type 2 diabetes, only by treat, treating it. I mean, I think that's like a rampant problem we have as well. Like, there's no incentive to actually fix these problems permanently because what they seem to want is a, a you know, some point they want to get you on a drug. And then that drug, you will buy that drug until the day they put you in an exercise casket. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the business plan. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. That's why every drug today has a name that sounds trustworthy, interested yeah. or something, and has a, a, a redone 80s or 90s stupid bubblegum jingle redone to it. Because that's the goal, to make you feel good about taking a drug for the rest of your life, you know? You know, I... I... 
I'm from the seventies. I thought drugs were recreational. So, you know, my favorite drug is caffeine in the morning and alcohol at night. So, you know, that's, that's, that's all the drugs I do. But, you know, that's, that's really true. These ranges are getting broader and broader and broader because they get these ranges off a of sick population. And, and again, you've got to really watch the information that you read because I've got a, a chart in front of me, the pros and cons of a ketogenic diet. And some of the cons are, are total baloney. I, my opinion anyway. Before we go there, because I want to talk about that big time, but let, let's let's hit that that question I asked you on cardiac disease. What are some of the theories of maybe increased cardiac disease in America beyond just people are fat? Because <laughs> that is a problem. We'll, we'll go right there. That's a problem. But well, some people will say it's your, your genetics. I said, no, it's your genes, but it's not those kind of genes. But uh, <laughs> and, and there are some genetic predisposition for that. But then again, I tell people. Was it your genetics or is it just because as the family you learned to eat incorrectly or learned to think incorrectly that, you know, type A behavior? You know, your lifestyle has a lot to do about it. And, and you know, people create their own stress and then they bitch and moan because it rains even though they created the, the thunderstorm. And on the genetics, one of the things I find really, really often, and I tell people you don't even have to test for it, the five – MTHFR gene, which they say 50% of us have that broken, it's called a SNP, uh, 50% of us have it, but to varying degrees. And that 5-MTHFR says you can't deal with folate, which means you can't deal with B6, which means you're going to be depressed, and which means you can't be a deal with B12. And, oh, your heart goes to heck in a bucket. Your energy goes to heck in a bucket. You get stress, anxiety, and depression. And when I read that list of 5-MTHFR, I said, well, that's everybody in my family, from my grandmother to my mother to my brother to my three sisters. And I started taking a heavy dose because, you know, us men are like that. If a little bit's good, more is better. And I kind of overdosed myself, and I, I felt like heck for about five days. But I'm okay. I, I understood the process. And about on the sixth day, Jesus parted the clouds, and the angels started singing. And when I don't take that one pill of that 5-MTHF, Janet can tell the day I don't take it. She says, well, you're not happy. I said, I'm always happy. She says, you're not as happy. You're not as animated. You're not as energetic. And then she says, I'm too young for her, even though I'm older. But that 5-MTHF, that, that can majorly contribute to uh, cardiovascular disease and hypertension, uh, of course, your diet, uh, who has a good diet, and, and that's really why I like what you do, teaching people to grow better quality food. Uh, diabetes and the inflammation associated with that, you know, it's a huge, huge contributing factor. Of course, you know, the obvious of smoking and drinking too much. I don't think drinking's bad. I just think drinking too much, you know, sure. justifying what I do. I'll drink a little bit, but... Well, there's, um, there's an amount the liver can can deal with, and there's an amount that overloads it. And when you go into overload, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. like anything in excess is a problem. Yeah, and, you know, my liver enzymes stay at about a perfect 18 to 20, so I know that I don't drink too much. And, and then, believe it or not, your gender has a lot to do with uh, heart disease because men are like three to five times more likely to develop heart disease. So if you want to be healthy in your heart, just don't be a man. Okay. <laughs> I think I, so. That, that hey, I can be gender fluid. I identify as a female, so don't let me have a heart attack, right? I don't think it's going to work, man. Um, let's let's just dig into some of these diets. Like, um, 
We got paleo. We got keto. There's Mediterranean diet. There's a vegetarian diet. There's a vegan diet. And can you talk about the pros and cons? And I want to give you a story before you do that. I think you'll find it interesting. I was debating a vegan, and he said the vegan diet is more healthy because research shows that vegans are healthier as far as their blood pressure, their weight, etc., than the average American. And my response was. Everybody that's on some any kind of diet where you actually pay attention that goes in your what goes in your body is probably healthier than average. And what yes. it made me think of you is when you were on and talking about uh, the, you know nutrient levels and your doctor saying well they're all they're all they're all in range they're all average they said well that's the average of everybody in the in the, in the line at the state fair. <laughs> Why you get a turkey leg and, 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 and a fried beer you know. Uh, so, so you know, I do think that all of any kind of control of what you eat, where you think about what you eat, probably is better than just shoving Cheetos and Ho Hos on top of a hamburger. But you're getting, you're getting personal now, and it's Girl Scout cookie time now. <laughs> you're stepping on my jeans. Oh man! But uh, but you, can you kind of go down through these diets, or some of them anyway? Um. You know, I've always been a fan of, I was a fan of Atkins when he came along, uh, Paleo Primal, and I, I lean a little bit more toward keto just because the increased uh, fat, although those people need to generally have digestive enzymes, watch the liver, because it'll blow your cholesterol temporarily, it'll blow it up, your triglycerides, then it moderates if you're digesting and eliminating through the liver. I think probably, and they're listed like uh, Mediterranean is probably easiest to do, but I'm really more keto, paleo. But um, vegan diet, let's talk about vegan for a minute. Uh, I treat a lot of vegans because I was on a podcast, and you know most of his people said, oh, I eat a plant-based diet, and I'm rolling my eyes going, oh, crap. <laughs> and I still treat a lot of them. On lab they are by far the sickest people I ever have to deal with. Somebody that's constantly on paleo, primal, keto, once that cholesterol gets better, once you clean up that liver, if there's an issue, by far they're the healthiest people on lab. Less cardiovascular inflammation, less tendency toward diabetes. Uh, It's just incredible what keto, paleo, primal, that kind of diet does. Um. I just and, and vegans, and I treat a lot of them. I have some in my family. I love them dearly, but they're just about crazy. They they don't think correctly, and I don't <laughs> think it's just uh, lack of B12. And I, I want to say something. There. I don't think necessarily the reason they're vegans is because they don't think clearly. I think the reason they don't think clearly is because they're, they're vegans. I think you can be logical and rational and come to the conclusion for one reason or another, maybe you just don't like seeing animals killed, being a vegan is a good thing. But whenever I talk to someone that's been doing it a while, there's, and I've I've talked to some, I'm not saying they're not intelligent. I've talked to some Mm -hmm. that are pretty intelligent. There's just something that, there's a synapse that's like, you know, like, you got to kind of know cars, and you're you're from the 60s, 70s, 80s era like me. Old cars, man, you'd be in that old car, and your buddy next to you doesn't, but you no, there's a, it's not every cycle, but there's a miss in one of these cylinders. There's something, and the guy's like, I don't, I don't feel it, you know, because it's not every time. But you know it, and that, I kind of feel that way when I talk to vegans. There is a, there's something not going right in the brain. And I know I just, I got some vegans in my audience. I know you're pissed at me. 
just telling you my opinion. Remember, the show is one man's opinion. I guess today it's two. <laughs> well, and, and I've got stuff. I've got digestive enzymes specifically for vegans. I sell the heck out of them. They feel better on it. And, again, I do treat a lot of them. If you want to do that, that's fine. I really encourage you to, you know, go vegetarian, you know, eat an egg. And one of my dear, dear friends that – he started having kids sooner than I did, and so she was like our test baby. And, you know, she was having all kinds of problems, and she said, I just don't like meat. I take the meat out of a hamburger from McDonald's. I said, honey, the fact that you're in McDonald's tells you a lot. <laughs> I said, here, take these digestive enzymes and eat two or three bites of meat. And she comes back and says, Stephen, I feel so good. I have so much energy. Da, 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 da. So I'm not anti-vegan, and actually we share a lot of really uh, some of the same ideas. You know, when you pass the feedlots around Amarillo and New Mexico, I understand where they're coming from, you know, not liking that stuff going on. You know, I want them coming from the pasture, but they're not that much different, but God, I'm going I'm to eat a ribeye when I'm having dinner with them. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I agree. I think you can have a very healthy vegetarian diet yes. and i think you can have an extremely healthy vegetarian mostly diet the person that will eat two to three ounces of meat yes and that's it like i'm gonna have a very and they're gonna maybe they eat meat for dinner and the rest of their life is vegetarian and i can if i can work with that person and i can include things like cheese and eggs yeah. and some dairy in that diet i can help that person live pretty good if you want me to do it with vegan, I, I, I know that it can kind of sort of be done, but I can't I can't get there because there's too many things. Just with protein alone, people say, well, there's as much grams of protein. Well, you got to have the right – like there is – you can't just – you can say there's so much protein in rice. But if we don't take another source of veg, vegetarian pro, or vegetable protein and mm -hmm. combine it with that, then you're lacking essential amino acids. You could have enough grams – Yes. You also carbohydrated yourself through the roof if you're trying to do it with rice. But I'm, I'm just trying to say, even when you can find good source of protein, there's very few vegan sources of complete protein. I believe actually hemp seed is or is very close, and I think quinoa might be. But, yeah. man, you can only eat so much hemp seed and quinoa. You know, you know, I, I think that's very true. I, I think what really gets them is they overconsume grains. I'm not a big fan of grains uh, unless you use it to brew beer, but uh, that's another <laughs> subject. And, you know, we have things that actually stop the gluten glyphosate uh, problem in the gut. But, for example, if Janet drinks a Shinerbach, you know, we like the darker beer. It messes with her GI tract, but where she gets a really good German beer that's imported where the grains aren't GMO or, or they're grown in a more healthy manner, it does not mess up her GI tract at all. So it, it says a lot to the, you know, what's going on with our grains and how we feed the grains. So I think that's what kills, not wrong, wrong choice, but that's what hurts the vegans is too much grain. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think that, if you're going to go that route, well, you got to get enough calories. You got to get it somewhere. And yeah. if you're going to not eat any animal sources of calories, anybody that's a gardener that, that if you're trying to garden for subsistence and you just want to survive, you know that your carbohydrate crops are your your your, your calories. That's where you get calories. That yes. you know most of the stuff we grow, we're growing more because it tastes good and it's it's a nutrient thing. So you're talking greens and stuff like that. 
if you want to produce calories from the soil, it's potatoes, it's rice, it's corn, it's all the stuff that's high in carbohydrate. There's no high-calorie vegetable source that's not a high-carbohydrate source. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, and, you know, they usually have a B12 problem, and then that goes in reverse of what I was talking about, the MTHFR to the B6 to the B12. Well, it starts with the B12, and then it goes to the B6. And if you don't get enough B6, you can't make the neurotransmitters go from your GI tract, which is already struggling, but the neurotransmitters can't make it from the GI tract to the brain, so you're not as healthy, happy, you're full of anxiety. You know, one of the nutrient amounts... uh, just just in some of the common things like apples, bananas, broccoli, onions, potatoes, uh, iron has gone down 55%. The average apple, vitamin A has gone down 41%. Uh, thiamine down 75% uh, in an apple, down 40% in broccoli. These things have a lot to do with how healthy we are. B1, uh, uh, thiamine, I love thiamine. When people get too much yeast in their guts, which is most of us, because of the carbs you talk about, they steal your thiamine. These are the people that says, well, I'm just, I don't want to talk about depression, but I'm fuzzy-headed. I have brain fog. So I put them on a, a fat-soluble thiamine, and they come back and say, holy geez, I can think clearly for the first time in 20 years. So that's where they get in trouble. They, fruits and vegetables are great, but you've got to realize they're still deficient compared to what they were in the 70s. And it wasn't really great in the 70s, but it's way, way deficient now. So, you know, down 20% to 75% in nutrient value. Well, and, it, you know, one of the things that we say in homesteading when people get upset that they have a chicken that eats egg is that, you know, as long as they're not eating all the eggs, don't worry about it. They probably ate a broken egg and they solve you a problem. But the reason chickens eat eggs is the egg has everything that you need to make a chicken. Yep. And when we look at it from a dietary standpoint and you're eating meat that you're made of and you're mm-hmm. eating fat that plays a key role in your life, and you, if you have no fat, if you have zero fat, you are sick, right? That's you why are statin eating. drugs kill you. Yeah, yeah. If you're eat, but if you're eating meat and fat and marrow, right, you're eating everything necessary to make you. So it, it, it's just easier to get everything the body needs from animal sources of protein. I, and I'm not of the belief, you know, people try to make the argument humans are, are carnivores. We're omnivores. Yeah. But yeah. We, 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 we evolved over time as omnivores. And there is not a traditional society that is vegan. It doesn't exist. I've heard people try to invent one because some religion is one or something, and it's you know it's a thousand years old or whatever. When I say traditional society, I'm, I mean it's not a, a spiritual belief. It's we're trying to live off the land. There is no traditional society that is vegan. It does not exist. Yeah, I think you know a good blend. You know, I'm, I'm into the moderation part, but. I don't know. And and every time you get something good, there's always somebody that tries to blow it. You know, I'm trying to be nice, you know, not say pee on it. But, uh, you know, there's there's some pros and cons to the ketogenic diet. Most of the cons are bull. You know, they'll say adverse reactions, neurological, impaired concentration. Well, that goes back to the thiamine and, and uh, uh, candida. Uh, impaired mood, impaired Cognition, bull, that's the reason they put you on a ketogenic diet because epileptics stop their seizures. Our brain is mostly fat. 
And the best fat you can do for that is DHA out of a good fish oil. Uh, so, so be careful what you read. You know, it says it causes gastrointestinal disturbances, diarrhea, GERD, vomiting, nausea, constipation. And again, I say bull. Hmm. Uh, you said there the, were some flat-out lies about keto, ketogenic diets. Could you maybe talk about some of those? Yeah, it's, it's these things. It's like, oh, it says it causes kidney stones. Well, you know, the the number one and number two reason you get a kidney stone, they're almost always calcium oxalate. Well, what buffers calcium? magnesium, which is almost not in the soil at all, and that's why the Epsom salts around your tomatoes work so well. It gives them magnesium. The other thing with kidney stones is lack of B6. And and even in our good fruits and vegetables, you don't have that much B6. So when they say that's a documented adverse reaction, I think that's baloney. Uh, musculoskeletal, it says muscles, cramps, or weakness. Well, that goes back to, oh, well, you're not getting enough magnesium. And it's like, no, I've seen people do better on the keto, primal, paleo. I'd lean a little bit toward the higher fat because my brain functions better on it, and I need my brain, Janet says. But uh, uh, flat-out lies that you'll have uh, menstrual problems, that you'll go into infertility, and it's like, no, the most infertile group I've seen are the ones that eat less fat and less good meat. Now, again, I don't like stuff out of the feedlot. I always get the better stuff anytime we can. You know, I want to say something on that, though. Let's say that you, if financially, you can't pull off, you know, free-range, grass-fed, et cetera, and what you have to rely on is, is feedlot, uh, conventional meat. I still think you're better off on that than organic barley, right? Absol- I mean, like, I, Absolutely. I, I don't, like, like you, you can all have what we shoot for, and as you come along, either financially or from a self-sufficiency standpoint, you know, and it, there are people that they can eat, Grass-fed beef for less than you can buy it at the store because there's a local producer they can get it from. And there's people right. that really can't. But yeah. in the end, I would rather be there with good nutritional support than be trying to, you know, eat quinoa and barley and wheat as my and, and potato as my main, you know, source. And I'm not a purist. Like, I'll put some potatoes with dinner, but I'll buy, like, you know, a little bag of those fingerling potatoes, and maybe I'll make four of them, two for me and two for Dorothy. So you're right. talking about a half ounce of potato. And, and I don't think that really throws things out of whack that much. But if you're living on that, then I, I think you're going to have problems with your, your glycogen and, and, and insulin balances, et cetera. And, and here's my thing with, with – I don't care if it's paleo. I don't care if it's primal. I don't care if it's keto. Every person that I see that actually does it, when I see them six months into it, I, I, I feel like I'm looking at a new person. Yeah. Every single time I feel that way, like, and I, you know, we have a big event here. We'll have 70 people here once a year and somebody walks through that fence that I've seen before and Mm -hmm. they've gone that path. I know it immediately. And I'm like, holy crap. I can't believe how good you, and not just thinner. There's a, there's a sick look that people have. You want to see it? And I'm sure you'd agree with this. Go to Walmart, (laughs) especially on the first and 15th, go to Walmart at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the 1st or the 15th and walk around and look. And you see people and you feel like if I walked up to you and put my finger on your arm skin, it would be sticky. Like, you know what I mean? Like pasty. Like, and they have people have that look. And when they go this route, that goes away. It's not just a weight loss thing. 
Yeah, and they're more energetic. They seem to have more light in their eyes when they're eating more correctly. And, you know, Janet told me to quit making fun of Walmart. It's like, you know, I used to go in a Gilmer Walmart here close to Lombia, and it's like, let's see who has more tattoos than teeth. And it's it's kind of a fun <laughs> game, especially if you've had a beer or two before you get there. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to stop making fun of Walmart. Because I, I don't make fun of Walmart. I make fun of people at Walmart. There's a there's a whole website for this. It's okay. Anyway, um, what are some more lies and misconceptions about just health and obesity in general? Well, you know, our perception in America has changed a lot over the last few decades. Um, and I hope after this podcast, you and I can talk about this new, really, oh my God, weight loss thing. But we'll we'll talk about that later. I got on that stuff, and I lost 14 pounds. And it's like it was quick, it was easy, it lowers your insulin resistance. And when I lost 14 pounds, I think it went from about I forget 187 down to 172, 174. People thought I was anorexic, like I had AIDS, like you were talking about, and. Our perceptions changed. You know, I weighed what I was supposed to, 162, 165, something like that. But And even my mother-in-law says, Stephen, we were worried about you when you lost weight. You were getting too skinny. And I'm, I always try to be polite. I'm thinking, you know, you've got eye problems so bad you can't even see. And you're saying, I don't look good. Mm-hmm. You know, she liked me fatter. And that's because our perception has changed. You know, used to it was you know, one large kid per class or per school. And yeah, now I'm talking about all the time. We used, to have, we used to have the fat kid in school. Yeah, like, yeah. If you said the fat kid in a high school with 400 kids, the yeah. fat kid, you're like, oh, Jason, right? You say the fat <laughs> kid now, everybody looks at each other. You know? <laughs> you talking about me? It was rare in China when Janet and I went over there. It was rare to see somebody that was very much overweight. And, you know, they even ate rice. I don't know how they get by with that. But they also eat a lot of vegetables and fish. And they're very, very active and, and use the uh, chopsticks. I think that slowed them down some. But uh, you rarely saw anybody overweight in China. It was, you know, I felt fat there, and I was probably you know 180 when I went over there. Uh, they tell all kinds of lies. They tell lies about cholesterol and heart disease. You want to talk about that for a minute? Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> you're, uh, yeah, you're right on it now. <laughs> and I, I, well, I'm, I'm always careful. I, I say, well, I'm a chiropractor. I'm not going to tell you to do anything with your drugs. That's not my job, and, and you know, certainly illegal. But people come in, and they're on their statin drugs, and usually it's a woman leading their 50- to 60-year-old husband in, and he's kind of got a different gait about him. And he's got this blank look in his eyes, and the woman will say, well, I don't know what happened, but – he got depressed, and he's not responsive. He, he he lost most of his mental acuity. And I said, and he quit getting an erection, too. And then a tear will form in his eyes. And she says, how did you know? I said, it happened three months after you put him on statin drugs. Hmm. Cholesterol is very, very, very necessary. And people like me that have it at 280 to 320 are usually the ones that live into their 90s in a healthy manner. And uh, when now the range is 200 or less, you don't have enough cholesterol to repair your brain, much less to take care of cardiovascular issues. Uh, death rates actually go down when the cholesterol level comes up, and that's coming. That study was out of Europe, but you can, you know, exactly it's the same thing here in America. The high-fat eaters, as long as you're digesting it, actually do better now. People say, well, it's out of your diet. 
only if you're eating that crappy grain and carbs and sugars, then it becomes a problem with triglycerides. But 80% of your cholesterol comes out of your liver. It's made there. 20% from how you, what you eat, uh, and Actually, 25% of the cholesterol in your body is actually in the brain. So that's why these people kind of get addle-headed when they go on statin drugs. And if you artificially get your cholesterol down to 160 and below, you've doubled your risk of stroke. Double. See, I mean, I've always had a problem with that because, number one, I understand cholesterol plays a very important role in the body. Yeah. But, two, if your cholesterol is high because of a problem, and you use something like a statin to lower it, you haven't fixed the problem, and you've removed one of the body's repair mechanisms at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Because that's what cholesterol does. That's why it becomes a problem for in the arteries, because like, you have a damaged component in your artery. It starts building up on itself. Yeah, it's like a Band-Aid. And I tell people, well, if it's high and not supposed to be, it's because your thyroid's not working right. You've got a GI issue, which is usually autoimmune. When your HDLs, the good cholesterol, starts getting around 70 to 100, good cholesterol hires better, right? No. When it starts going high, you have to suspect an autoimmune disease. Yeah. Uh, so it's usually liver, gut, or thyroid. And one of the best compliments I've ever gotten, and I've gotten it in different ways, but this is my favorite story. A big 50-something-year-old 50, 50 guy comes in. He's a very imposing person. He says, well, I went to my MD, and she is a little short lady, got up in my face, almost sticking her finger in my nose, saying, you know, I can't recommend anything Dr. Lewis does, but your triglycerides went from 419 down to 119. Your cholesterol went from 300-something down to 200. I can't recommend a damn thing, he says, but don't you ever quit again because it's the only time you don't have heart issues. Hmm. And we you get, wonder why the blockage is there in, in, in the minds of, of doctors. Well, you know, that's, again, plaquing because of uh, certain... No, I mean, when uh, you're talking about a doctor here, right, that said you can't recommend yeah. what you do. Like, why the blockage oh. in the brain is there? Like, where, like, you see the result, but they still say they can't recommend it. Oh, I don't know. You know, I've got a dear friend. We grew up together, and he went through medical school and became an OBGYN. He says, I hate it. I would rather be an accountant. I said, well, be an accountant. I said, oh, what they tell you about chiropractic in medical school? He says, oh, it's a 15-second lecture. You're quacks. You're cultish. Stay the hell away from a chiropractor. He said, I'm an OBGYN. He says, I send my people to a chiropractor because they always deliver easier. It's It's more good symmetry between the muscles and the nerves and these people that see a chiropractor deliver much much easier and you don't have to have these four c-sections i said well it's really nice you have an open mind i said the problem with you he's an OBGYN. he didn't understand why he had so many babies i said your wife is an ophthalmologist and you're an OBGYN. could she not see it coming you don't know why you had five kids but <laughs> I always make fun of everything because if life's not fun, what's the point? You know, you mentioned a couple times now thyroid. Could you talk about maybe how agricultural practices contribute to thyroid and other adrenal dysfunction? Yeah, um, part of it's agriculture because you don't get iodine from the soil that I know of. You know more about that than me. That's, we don't eat enough of the 
seafood, and then you've got the chlorines and the bromines and um, things that interfere. They take the receptor sites where iodine should be. And again, it goes back to that pH range of acceptance. I think that's true in the soil, but I know for sure it's true in the body. Uh, so agriculture, you don't have enough zinc and selenium, and those two are absolutely critical in having the T4 thyroid uh, enzymes going to T3. T3 is the active hormone, and you can't do it without zinc and selenium. And then we go back to, well, you've got to have the good uh, amino acids like tyrosine. That's very, very critical. Then you've got to have the B1, B2, and B3, which we've talked about, you know, that. So agriculture, growing things that have been raised on fast food, um, that's really, you know, two out of three people that come in here have a thyroid that's running 50 miles an hour on interstate where the speed limit's 75. Gotcha. Then you got the bad estrogens. You know, these plastics and pesticides, the glyphosate, act like estrogen. And have you noticed... Little boys are more feminine than they used to be, and men have ads for low testosterone, and women are getting more breast cancer, more, more ovarian. Have you seen the Soy Boy uh, video that Paul Joseph Watson did? No, but it's I will now. It's <laughs> hysterical, and, and it's sad. And, you know, soy has phytoestrogens in it, and I think that's yeah. a big problem. We we quit doing the duck egg business because my, we have our grandchildren every day now. So it was my right. wife's business, so I wasn't going to take it over and do it. Um, but we had so many customers that said that they could eat our eggs and they couldn't eat other eggs. Yes. And they became convinced it was because they couldn't eat chicken eggs. And there were some that had a specific intolerance of chicken eggs. But we had other people that when we didn't have any or whatever, since they had, you know, duck eggs worked, they went and got duck eggs from another source and had the same problems. And we fed more, to, to me it was more important to feed a soy-free diet than, you know, at no soy and no GMO than it was a quote-unquote organic diet to our birds. Our birds were not consuming any soy, anything that would create a, an estrogen uh, problem. And to me... You take a bird, and you have an egg as an ovum, and if you're right. feeding that bird excess estrogen, where is that animal going to concentrate that excess est estrogen in its ovum? And right. so you got an, an estrogen bomb. And I have seen people just tell me, like, we can't eat anybody but yours, and I, I really think that's what it comes down to is soy and estrogen. And I think it's causing problems everywhere. And now we have people feeding developing baby boys freaking soy milk. It, it, it to me it's it's it, you know, it's borderline abuse because they actually it's not because abuse because they don't really know what they're doing, um, but I don't think it's good. Yeah, I think you're right. Back when I had chickens, of course me, you know, if I if I need a dozen, I'll get five dozen, and I had eggs like that, and I fed them non-genetically modified, certified organic stuff, and they would free range like crazy. I shot a couple of coyotes, keeping them away. That was fun, but. Um, <laughs> People, same thing. Oh, I can't eat eggs. I said, eat one of mine. And they didn't have the problem. Do you think that agricultural practices are creating, you know, metabolic syndrome as well? Oh, big time because, you know, they subsidize all these grains. And uh, if they subsidize, you know, broccoli and cauliflower and asparagus, I love asparagus, and made it cheaper, 
then people can make the switch. Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, I understand there's big corporations that's buying more and more and more of the cropland, but you know, that I'm a big, big fan of what you're doing and other people are trying to do that too is teach people to be self-sufficient. Uh, it, it's a really important thing. And again, that's where I get my most compliant patients that years later say, God, this is better, this is better, this is better, because even on top of the better grown organic stuff, they're adding excess nutrients because the RDA, and we briefly talked about that, it doesn't matter if you get the RDA, you're not absorbing diddly squat. So you've got to go really, really high to get the absorption because of what happens you know, in the intestines, it decreases, you know, the absorption. So, yeah, agriculture is really, really bad. Uh, we try to get organic or just locally grown where people are fertilizing with something other than the NPK, where people are uh, throwing the dairy uh, excrement yeah. <laughs> in there and, and the rock dust and things like that. It, it's making a big difference. And, you know, I'm doing my part as much as I can here and – you know, because of our podcast, it's kind of gone, you know, into a big thing. So we 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 actually copied you. You were kind enough. I bet you don't even remember. Janet asked you a question, and you wrote a very long, detailed email on what we should do with our podcast. And you're a big part of why we're successful. You know, it's a new name now with Green Wisdom Health. But, uh, uh, you know, you kind of got us on the right road with the podcast. We will always be, you know, in your debt. I'm glad to hear that because I, I get that question all the time to the point now where I have it set up where I can just drop it in. And yeah. it, it's it's probably similar to, to you get people that ask, but they don't really ready yet. And <laughs> so you tell them what to do, but you can't make them do it. You can't and you can't do it for them. So I, I'm really mm-hmm. happy to hear that. Can you tell people how they can, you know, find out how to work with you? Learn more about what you do now. You got a podcast where they can find that, and you got this new name of your company. What's the, what's that all about? Well, it's Green Wisdom Health, and you know Janet and I wanted to take it to the next level. We had some really outstanding supplements, but now we're doing more, uh, better quality supplements where people can actually, for the most part, spend less money and take fewer supplements, and on lab get better results. Now, that being said. You have to be consistent and not that, oh, I tried it a month and I'm not impressed. I've got people that I got from you, you know, three years ago that are just consistently doing it and doing it and doing it and following instructions and they're just thrilled. And then they say something like, well, you're such a wonderful person. I said, nah, God healed you. I'm collecting the money. It's a great relationship. You know, you're doing the work. Uh, you've got a really good, uh, audience base. So it's greenwisdomhealth.com. If you want to email us, it's Janet at GreenWisdomHealth.com. People think she's buffering and keeping everything away from me. I'm I'm the one that's usually going to find that because that is my email, Janet at GreenWisdomHealth. Um, we can do lab all over America, which we do a lot of that. <clears throat> Janet has it automated where you can just buy it on the website and take off and run with it. Can you talk a little bit about your lab approach? I, I mentioned that during the intro, but I think I want to finish up with that here with you today because I think that's something that, you know, people go on supplementation and they're looking for like some kind of golden egg or something. I don't know. We're like, I just want one or two things I can take. And, or they say, well, everybody should be taken. But to me, if you don't, if you don't baseline where the person's at, you've got multiple problems. Well, number one, 
You could be supplementing you something you don't need and not supplementing something you desperately need. Number two, you can't go back six months later and look at it again and see if you've actually done anything. Because I, I would imagine even if you do a lot of supplementation, there could be something that even when you do the right supplementation, maybe that number doesn't go up because of something else. So you can't identify that. Then you think you've corrected it. Um, but to me, the big thing is you just don't know where you've started. I think that's really true. You know, if they want to know, I'd say get the get on the health survey. And many people get on Dr. Google and they say, well, it's got to be my adrenal glands. Well, it could be, but what about the hypothalamus pituitary? What about the thyroid? There are so many people that have the beginning of an autoimmune disease where there are different types of white blood cells get inverted. And we usually under uh, uncover so many things that you would never suspect. Uh, so, the health survey is the way to go, and usually people have a thyroid that's in range, you know, in range of the Walmart people, but it's not in optimal range. Uh, we, what's different is we do 12 lab panels unless you add the hormones, which I think is a really good thing. We've added a few things since I've been here. We've added insulin, so we see if you're insulin resistant, even if your A1C or glucose is correct. We've added cortisol to see what your stress levels are. Uh, we've added uh, ferritin, stored iron. We've added so much stuff and kept the price down. I'll tell you, uh, this is going to be wrong, but <laughs> in the month of December, I made $117 off of all the labs I did all across America. Folks, it don't get any cheaper than this, and we give you a functional medicine report. You can print out 60 to 80 pages. If you want to know that much, and I give you a recommendation on what supplements and why, and I go over line by line uh, what's on the lab and why. So most importantly, I don't tell you what the problem is. I tell you what the solution is. Good stuff, man. Well, I know you get results because, well, one, for a while you worked with my wife, and two, I hear it. I hear it from my audience uh, and, and people very happy with working with you. So I can, you know, say I just not not just having you on as a guest. I do en endorse your approach, and I do think people should check you out again. The website, new website, GreenWisdomHealth.com. Uh, Doctor Stephen Lewis, thank you for being with us today on the show. It's always a pleasure. Well, great interview, very informative as all always with Dr. Stephen Lewis. Just awesome guy. Glad to have him supporting the show uh, through Members Brigade as well and uh, offering discounts to you guys. Uh, given another name change in his business, I'm not sure if I've got things squared away in the MSB for you, but if you're from this audience and you're an MSB member and you're going to work with Dr. Lewis and you try to get a discount and you can't, just email me and that, with any of these vendors. If there's ever a problem because I have not made an update or their code wore out or whatever, I will always get you squared away if you just let me know about it. Anyway, with that, if you if you like this show and the work that we do and you want to support us, like the simple, easy way to support us, it doesn't cost you a dime, is to do your online shopping through tspaz.com. Let's say you're going to buy some stuff online today. Well, just go to tspaz.com before you do. You can check out all my reviews, but you can get on over to Amazon from there and then do your shopping. No matter what you buy, you eventually help support the Survival Podcast. Today i got a product for you I've brought around a few times that's like, that's the least prepper product in the world, as a lot of people would think about. It's not, though. They are flour sack towels made by a company called Utopia Kitchen. Now, I'm going to tell you that 
not all flower sack towels are created equally. Most of them are crap. And if you if you look up on Amazon flower sack towels and you, towels and you start reading reviews, you're going to see things like very thin, frayed, has holes in it after one use, etc. And if you look up these, you're not going to see that at all. You're going to see, and I know for some of you to do this, I wouldn't do it if I had a kid again, but uh, we have a granddaughter, and I'm not changing renewable diapers, but it's one of the things they're used for is cloth diapers. But what I like them for is a substitute for cheesecloth. And I love to cook, and I love to make good food. We even talked about that a little bit yesterday. One of my favorite things in the world to make, though, is known as Lebna, or yogurt cheese. It is a nutritional powerhouse. It's a great way to put tons of probiotics into your system. We talked about how important health is today, but I added something to this review this time that I brought it back around. I added a video. So if you've never seen it, go to the site, scroll down to find this, this listing right under today's episode, 2370. The next post you'll see is you'll see the, the whole review on these where you can get them, but you'll see how to make Lebna yogurt cheese with jalapenos and garlic. And I did some rare editing where I actually did put two videos together and edited it all up for you. So you can see the whole process all the way through. It is completely simple. And I, here's why I made the video. I've talked about how to do this for 10 years. And I know there's people out there, I don't know. I don't know, man, letting yogurt sit out overnight. I mean, the government says if your dairy products get over 45 degrees, you're supposed to throw them away. I don't, I don't know. And to quote Stephen Harris, what temperature do you think the milk was when it came out of the cow? And if if, if making yogurt, yogurt cheese, et cetera, Lebanon was dangerous, there wouldn't be a person left in Lebanon because every Lebanese grandmother would have killed her family long ago from poisoning. So I figured if you actually see it made, see it done, and see me eat a little bit of it, it might give you permission to go out and do it. And it'll also, when I talk about it, it sounds easy. But everyone's like, oh, it sounds easy, but it's doing, it's different. If you watch me do this, you'll be like, I can do that. And once you try this, you added a new thing to your home, give it a shot. Even if you don't get the flour sack towels, you can get flour sack towels at Walmart. Maybe you already have some. Maybe you use cheesecloth. Give this a shot. It, by leaving it out overnight, it increases the lacto-fermentation. It gets a little tangier. It tastes awesome. Use it as a substitute for cream cheese. It's, it's low-carb. It's not no-carb. It's very low-carb. And again... Nutritional powerhouse, gut health, inflammation. We talked about all that stuff today. Give it a shot. Lebna, got to give it a try. With that, let's talk about our song of the day today. Song of the day today is by Train. I'm going to tell you, Train's not one of my favorite bands, man. They're uh, kind of new pop rock, you know, to me, a little bit bubblegum-ish, but this is a good song. But what it, and, it, and, it, and they teamed up here with a, a Nashville gal. I don't remember her name now, but it's a country music gal. And uh, it has a kind of a crossover feel because of that, I think, between pop and country. Of course, country's turning more to pop than anything else anyway. Um, but I like the song and the connotation of the song because there's two people. We're there on school song week, songs about school. So this is two people meet that went to school together like 10 years down the road in their life. And the first line thing out of the guy's mouth, because he remembers this girl and where she was headed in life, I bet you're rich as hell. And the response is, I got, I got two kids, three and five, and I'm a single mom. So no, I'm not, right? And they go through this whole conversation, and they talk about their bruises from life. Not the bruises from high school, which is I figured what this song would be originally about when I first saw it. I'd never heard it before. But how, like, you get out of school, and you have certain dreams, and life just beats your ass. And toward the end, they say, you know, I'd fix you if I could, and I'd like to fix you. So back and forth, this is a duet. But then the, the, the acknowledgement is, don't fix anything about yourself. You know? Because... 
all of these challenges, all of these ways that life has kicked our ass has actually made this conversation better and had something to share and been interesting. And what I like you to think about is I bet you've seen very few movies where some guy has some kind of a dream, he gets out of school, he pursues his dream, he achieves his dream with little to no effort whatsoever, and everything works perfectly, and his life turns out super duper. Do you know why? Well, number one, it's not very realistic. Number two, it's not very interesting. Even in Disney shows where the, you know, the, the ending is they lived happily ever after, there's a lot of challenge in between or the whole damn thing's boring, and that's how life would be without challenges. Life kicks our ass to motivate us so that we can better ourselves and do more for ourselves. It's, it, it, it makes me think, I can't remember who the guy was, but it was a philosopher or a psychologist one time, or, uh, maybe it, was a, it was a rabbi, it was a, a Jewish rabbi, and he, he said it was a lesson of the lobster, that humans grow due to discomfort, and lobsters shed their shell because they become uncomfortable, they can't fit in it anymore. But humans have tried to deaden any discomfort, So now when we feel uncomfortable, instead of saying, what is making us uncomfortable, how do I make my life better so that I'm not uncomfortable and grow, we go to the doctor and get a pill. So that if a lobster had a doctor at this point, the lobster would feel uncomfortable, go get a pill, and never grow, and never molt, and grow, in, and it has to be uncomfortable to grow. And I think that's a lot about what this song's about. And I think there's a lot of challenges in our life, and we even talked about some of them yesterday. And I'll tell you, yesterday was a rough day. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw me pretty much ready to go into a bottle of Woodford Reserve at the end of the day. Uh, it was it was a rough day. But, you know, it's those rough days that make us grow, that teach us new procedures, to keep things from happening that we don't want to happen, and, and move along. With that, Ben Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Since high school. Good to see you're still beautiful. Gravity hasn't started to pull. Quite yet, I bet you're rich as hell. And no.